Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corinne Pettit, and I'll be your guest host for this special day, World Psoriasis Day, a day where the MPF joins the International Federation of Psoriasis Associations, 50 countries, and others to unite around the 125 million worldwide who have psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In honor of World Psoriasis Day and the message of unity, we're highlighting collaboration between organizations and efforts to create unity around policy and the health of people who have psoriatic disease. Joining me is Dr. Somia Reddy, who is in addition to being a medical board member of the National Psoriasis Foundation, is a rheumatologist and co-director of the Psoriatic Arthritis Center at NYU Langone Health. Dr. Reddy is a member of GRAPA, the Group for Research and Assessment of Psoriasis and Psoriatic Arthritis, and a founding board member of PACMAN, also known as the Psoriasis and Psoriatic Arthritis Clinics Multicenter Advancement Network, which has many collaborations with the National Psoriasis Foundation, including a pediatric care session that just occurred earlier this week. Also joining us today is Lisa Albany, the American Academy of Dermatology, or AAD's Director of State Advocacy. Both Lisa and Dr. Reddy are involved in collaborations with the National Psoriasis Foundation that impact you, our listeners. Let's hear more about what efforts are occurring to help improve access and health care for those with psoriatic disease. Welcome, Lisa and Dr. Reddy. Thank you for being here today on World Psoriasis Day. So let's start our conversation with learning a bit more about GRAPA and AAD. Dr. Reddy, as a member of GRAPA, can you please identify what GRAPA is, its purpose and key priorities, and how does GRAPA interact with other organizations? First, I just want to say thank you for inviting me to participate in World Psoriasis Day. I'm excited to be here. So first, GRAPA is a nonprofit with several key priorities that are focused really on furthering education and science in psoriatic disease. It started as a small group of international dermatologists and rheumatologists who were really interested in studying psoriatic disease because at that time, there wasn't a lot of attention being placed on research and awareness in regards to psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So their primary goal is to facilitate the sharing of information related to psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis and collaboration and networking among the many different specialists that are involved in their care. And also to really further research that can improve the diagnosis and treatment for psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So because it's a large international organization, GRAPA has the ability to interact and support many of the efforts of other organizations with similar and overlapping goals. GRAPA works very closely with the National Psoriasis Foundation, of course, as well as the ACR, AAD, IFPA, and many also local Durham and Room medical societies, and as well as PACMAN, which I'm one of the members of. GRAPA also has an important focus on including patients and the patient voice in a lot of their efforts in research and treatment guidelines as well, which I think is very important. Yes, the patient voice is so important, and it's something MPF and GRAPA share in valuing. And Lisa, while many of our listeners are familiar with AAD, which stands for the American Academy of Dermatology, they may not be aware of activities AAD is involved in. Can you please elaborate on who AAD represents and the organization's current priorities? Absolutely. 
I just want to first start with thanking you for the opportunity to speak today. So the Academy represents more than 20,000 physicians worldwide and board certified dermatologists evaluate and treat over 3,000 different diseases and conditions. They see patients of all ages from newborns to the elderly. And in terms of our priorities, we are committed to advancing the diagnosis and treatment of the skin, hair, and nails, advocating high standards in clinical practice, education, and research in dermatology, and supporting and enhancing patient care for a lifetime of healthier skin, hair, and nails. Yeah, that's a great background, Lisa, to start our next question. Thank you. So one of the key initiatives AED was involved with the National Psoriasis Foundation was a joint development of clinical guidelines for the management and treatment of psoriasis. Six guidelines were developed to offer guidelines for use to improve care addressing topical therapy, use of systemic non-biologic therapies, phototherapy, biologics, pediatric care, as well as management and treatment of psoriasis with awareness and attention to comorbidities. How significant was the partnership in the development of these guidelines? I understand this was the first time guidelines for pediatric psoriasis care have been developed. Well, thank you for that question. And the decision to partner with the National Psoriasis Foundation to develop guidelines was unprecedented. Frequently, guidelines from members are developed within the academy. However, the development of, of the new psoriasis guidelines as a partnership with NPF is an example of how committed we are to ensuring patients are receiving the best possible care. So the little background, the joint effort between the two organizations was approved by our board of directors. The guidelines were really long overdue. Numerous new treatments had become available for psoriasis and the recognition of multiple comorbidities. There was a set of guidelines that were dated back to 2008 and comorbidities did not appear as a separate topic in those guidelines. So as you stated, there's the new guidelines address six main topics, one of which is pediatrics. And the psoriasis pediatrics guideline was the first time that the AAD provided guidance on caring for pediatric patients with psoriasis, taking into consideration the unique characteristics of younger patients relative to adults. And the goal was to educate physicians, patients, their caregivers about the potential impact of psoriasis on multiple domains of health, its impact on the patient and family, and the scope of treatments available to pediatric patients. So it wasn't necessarily the first time that pediatric guidance was provided as the AAD and other guidelines maybe would include a short paragraph on this population group, but this was the first time that it included an actual focus on gathering pediatric studies and conducting searches specifically for the pediatric population and drafting a separate psoriasis pediatric guidelines for patients ages 0 to 12, and then adolescents 13 to 17 years old. And Lisa, on behalf of the MPF, we really appreciate the opportunity to work together with AED on the development of the latest guidelines. Dr. Reddy, from your perspective as a physician, how important is the development of clinical guidelines with involvement from major stakeholders such as AAD, MPF, ACR, which is the American College of Rheumatology, or GRAPA? So as Lisa mentioned, I think the development of clinical guidelines for these types of conditions is very important, in particular for psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis to help practitioners in choosing appropriate evidence-based therapies for their patients. Psoriatic disease in particular is very heterogeneous, meaning that patients have varying degrees of involvement of different aspects of their condition, from skin, nails, joints, spine. 
And so every patient may look different, so we cannot use a one-size-fits-all approach. And fortunately, today, we have an increasing number of therapies to choose from. And so these guidelines are helpful for people out in the community who are taking care of these patients to help make sure that they are choosing therapies that really address all aspects of their patient's condition. And really, a lot of this is in part due to the attention and research that has been supported by organizations such as the ones we've been discussing today. I was fortunate to be involved in the first national guidelines for the treatment of psoriatic arthritis in the United States that was a result of an effort between the American College of Rheumatology and the National Psoriasis Foundation. And so this really was the first guidelines that was taken on by the ACR for psoriatic arthritis. They had previously had guidelines for other types of arthritis, but as part of this increased awareness regarding psoriatic disease, it became apparent that this was necessary in psoriatic arthritis as well. There are also guidelines from the international organizations such as GRAPA. And so I think it's important, again, to highlight that in both of these processes, patient partners have been included to ensure that what we as physicians and researchers are recommending are concordant with what patients feel are important and our priorities. And that's a big focus for the National Psoriasis Foundation as well to include the patient voice. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Reddy, for reinforcing the value of hearing the patient voice. And Dr. Reddy, collaboration occurs not only across organizations such as through Pac-Man and Grappa, but within an organization, there can be a crossover between specialties like rheumatology and dermatology. This offers a more holistic approach of care for individuals who have psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. And I know NYU Langone Health offers a prime example of this type of collaborative care. As co-director of the Psoriatic Arthritis Center at NYU Langone Health, can you please explain how the two specialties interact to improve the care of individuals with psoriatic disease? Thanks. That's an excellent question. So many, many years ago at NYU, we decided to set up a combined clinic for our psoriatic patients in which the patients were evaluated by a dermatologist and a rheumatologist at the same time in the same room. And this was to enable us to make a more holistic approach to their treatment instead of the patient sort of jockeying back and forth between the dermatologist focusing on their skin and the rheumatologist focusing on their joints and picking therapies that they thought were good for that particular aspect of their condition. So we wanted to be able to match their experience to the care that they're receiving. And what we found that there were many benefits to this approach, both for patients and surprisingly also for the physicians and caretakers. These combined clinics increased education across the specialties. So dermatologists were learning from their rheumatology colleagues and vice versa. There was improved education for trainees who are medical students all the way up to fellows. We found that patients were much more satisfied with their care because they were able to participate in the conversation between their physicians about the risks and benefits and of all the various options. And we found that we were able to detect psoriatic arthritis earlier because we were all sort of thinking about these aspects together. And all of that leads to improved outcomes for our patients. And as a result of that, many of these types of combined multidisciplinary care centers have been developed across the country, primarily at academic research centers, but also occasionally in, in private practices. And ultimately, we decided to form this group called Pac-Man that you mentioned earlier that I was involved in founding. And Pac-Man really was formed to support 
this effort of education and research and facilitation of creating these combined multidisciplinary clinics, because there's a lot of challenges to creating those types of clinics. You can imagine the difficulty in trying to get all of these different specialists together. So this concept of multidisciplinary care has actually also expanded even further to include other specialists who are involved in our patient's care, cardiologists, psychiatrists, et cetera, to address some of the comorbidities that we also see in psoriatic disease. Yeah, there are so many benefits to collaborative care. Thank you again, Dr. Reddy. And Lisa, another area where collaboration occurs is in spreading information to build an understanding about risks and symptoms of psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Can you please provide an example of how AED partners with other organizations or coalitions to promote the risk of related health conditions and symptoms associated with psoriatic disease? Sure. Thank you for that question. So an advocacy priority includes for the Academy is medical research. Dermatologists understand that ongoing scientific research is critical to advancing patient care, and research helps physicians to identify risk factors in patients and root causes of disease, which may lead to prevention or better treatments of serious conditions. The Academy supports medical research that builds on past innovations, fosters momentum in scientific research, and advances medical knowledge. And we advocate with our many coalition partners for increased funding at the National Institute of Health, including NIAMS, which is the National Institute of Arthritis, Musculoskeletal, and Skin Diseases. Another example is our collaboration with disease-specific organizations is through the Coalition of Skin Diseases. And we work closely with CSD in an effort to raise awareness through advocacy and education. Recently, the Academy participated in a webinar sponsored by the Society for Women's Health Research, where we discussed the impact of skin diseases on women's health and the event touched on health, social and economic impacts of skin diseases on women as patients, as caregivers, and as both. Yeah, wow. A lot of efforts are going on through AED. And for you both, organizations such as AED, NYU, ACR, GRAPA, MPF, and PACMAN all work to provide continuing medical education for healthcare providers to keep them aware of the latest advances in treatments, guidelines, research, and access to care issues around psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Can you both speak to activities where you partner with other organizations to provide such activities that ultimately impact care for people with psoriatic disease? Lisa, I know you provided an example previously, but can you expand on that? Sure. Dermatology is a small specialty, so much of our work is done as part of of a coalition. So one of the coalitions we work with is the Alliance for Transparent and Affordable Prescriptions, which is ensuring transparency of pharmacy benefit managers that will lead to reduced costs for prescription drugs. We also work closely within the House of Medicine and many other medical specialties to increase funding for graduate medical education so that patients with psoriatic disease have access to physicians such as dermatologists and rheumatologists. And Dr. Reddy? So a few of the efforts that I've been involved with over the past few years include one that is a collaboration at NYU with the National Psoriasis Foundation to provide an educational program and forum for nurse practitioners and allied health professionals regarding psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis education that occurs adjacent to our annual psoriasis psoriatic arthritis scientific meeting at NYU. 
And we felt this was important given that nurse practitioners and other health professionals are increasingly providing care to our patients, especially in dermatology. And so educating them on screening for psoriatic arthritis and screening for comorbidities and appropriate management was really important because often they are the first provider that our patients may be interacting with. I've also been involved recently in several educational programs with the Pac-Man Group and National Psoriasis Foundation targeted really on the Derm Room collaborative effort. And as you had mentioned earlier, we had a recent one that was focused on pediatric psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So this is another area where a multidisciplinary care approach can have a huge impact for our pediatric patients, especially in regards to improving screening for arthritis and awareness of the existence of arthritis for those patients and their families and some of the associated conditions that can arrive with that. We also have one that's upcoming focusing on skin of color, which is also sort of an exciting area. And I think these educational opportunities give us an opportunity to highlight areas that are still in need of more attention. Yeah, those are such amazing opportunities. And Lisa, an area that you are quite familiar with is the desire to improve access and delivery of patient care through the development of policy at the state and federal level. How does MPF partner with the AAD on policy changes? So I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to just mention that when the the Academy I would say maybe seven years ago, formed a task force to address the rising costs of prescription medications. They said, we have to have the National Psoriasis Foundation part of our task force. So they are there, they have a seat at the table, they have an ex officio role, and it's just been so wonderful to see the dialogue within the committee and hearing the patient perspective like directly from NPF. So they have really guided our position statement on access to medications. We believe that the treatment decisions should be made by the physician and their patients since they understand the individual circumstances and can best judge what will work for an individual patient. We don't want patients to be jumping through hoops or fail on treatments before getting the right care. And I've heard some of our physicians express frustration and say that they're prescription pad has become a suggestion pad. And so we're working really closely with NPF to prevent that from continuing to occur. Yeah, can you provide examples of how AED and NPF work together to improve access to care? Areas that come to mind include step therapy and prior authorization policies. How does this partnership impact people with psoriatic disease? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to give you some examples for this question. So the first example I'm going to give you is around step therapy, which is also known as fail first and prior authorization. And I know your listeners are familiar with both of these utilization tools used by the health plans. And we have seen much success at the state level through a coalition that the National Psoriasis Foundation and the AAD Academy is a part of, which is called the State Access to Innovative Medicines. It's chaired by the National Psoriasis Foundation. And we work jointly with the other patient groups and our industry partners to develop model legislation to reform step therapy. At hearings, committee hearings around the country, the National Psoriasis Foundation is always there testifying and providing the patient voice. I was very involved in with the effort in Ohio, and it was wonderful to walk into a meeting with a legislator and have a representative from NPF explained to lawmakers the impact of reforming step therapy and why that was so critical. 
now there's 30 states that have step therapy reform laws. There's also an effort right now at the federal level, it's called the Safe Step Act Coalition and NPF and the Academy are working closely there. And similarly, with respect to prior authorization, we're working in coalitions at the state level to, to reform prior authorization. One example is an effort in Pennsylvania, which is led by the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, and NPF is very involved. And also there is a federal bill where we're working together to reform prior authorization for Medicare Advantage plans. We also have worked together advocating to private payers. So we'll work in coordination We'll go in separately and have our meetings, but we want to hear and speak to NPF to understand how the changes in formularies impact our patients. And so that information has been so helpful when we have these meetings with the payers. Yeah, and the work that we do separately and together is so important to bringing change to access that benefits people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Thank you, Lisa, for that update. It's good to see so much action is taking place, particularly around step therapy. And Dr. Reddy, it's likely that a cure for psoriatic disease will not come from one person. How can collaborative efforts impact research towards a cure for psoriatic disease? It seems through collective action, we're stronger in getting an understanding of factors that contribute to this disease. You're exactly right. This is a really critical issue. We have made some immense progress in our ability to treat psoriatic disease in the past decade. But because these are chronic conditions that typically require ongoing treatment for most patients, we really have made an effort to push this research agenda towards prevention and finding a cure, which is a pretty big goal. And this is going to require a village of researchers, organizations, academic institutions, government agencies, and even pharmaceutical companies to be able to achieve this type of goal. Many of the organizations, including NPF, GRAPA, PACMAN, and others, have been working together, and there's currently an effort to propose a very large national research study with funding from the National Institute of Health. And so these are the types of efforts that can bring together multiple aspects of research, both from basic science all the way to clinical research to try to achieve this goal by really increasing our understanding of the disease. The National Psoriasis Foundation has also been very instrumental in providing some of this necessary research funding to young and established investigators to target these goals. In particular, they have two initiatives. The first one being the Psoriasis Prevention Initiative to try to prevent psoriatic disease, and the second being the Psoriatic Arthritis Diagnostic Test Research Grant to help find ways to diagnose psoriatic arthritis earlier. And this type of funding is really critical because it allows researchers all over the country and even across the world to embark on this type of work when they may have difficulty finding funding elsewhere and can often lead to additional grant funding from national foundations. And this will help us all to push closer to these goals of prevention and cure. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Reddy. Prevention and cure truly are the ultimate goals. And for you both, how can people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis be involved in sharing their views, be part of research or advocacy efforts that make a difference in access to treatment for those who have psoriatic disease? I know here at MPF, those who have psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis can join our advocacy efforts and speak up at psoriasis.org forward slash take hyphen action. And as you mentioned, be present in front of legislators providing their own personal stories. 
So there are many opportunities for patients to share their experiences and be involved in research and advocacy, and we would love to hear from all of you. And as you mentioned, the NPF has this incredible website with lots of resources for patients to get involved from their annual survey to biobanking of samples. And as you mentioned, all of the incredible advocacy work that they're doing. In addition, there are fundraising events such as walks and bike events for patients to get involved and to get their families involved and awareness about psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. There's a website called clinicaltrials.gov, which is another great resource for patients who are interested in being part of a clinical trial. You can search on that website to look for trials that may be applicable to you in your home state or in your region. So I think the involvement of patients is very important and can make a really big difference. I'd like to say that we first strongly encourage patients to participate in any of the story collection efforts that the NPF has. We have called upon that information when we have gone in and met with legislators and payers. So we just would encourage patients to continue to participate in that because, as I mentioned, the policymakers need to hear their voices. I also wanted to mention that we jointly met together with a number of other specialty societies working with CMS to reinstate the ban on step therapy protocols for Part B drugs covered by the Medicare Advantage plans. The patients represented at MPF did an amazing job explaining the effects of step therapy, how on their patient care, the delay it places on timely access to treatments, and the interference in the physician-patient relationship. Those were things that were all highlighted and significant in the discussion. We would also invite patients to participate in our legislative conference that we have annually. We just had that last month where we go to Capitol Hill and provide the perspective of physicians and patients jointly on our issues. Going back to the same coalition, which I mentioned about step therapy, there's lots of opportunities to participate in writing letters to the editors, participating at conferences, press conferences. It's really, again, critical to get that the patient voice out. We also had a session at our summer meeting this year where patients were part of five scientific sessions to share their patient perspective as it relates to the topics being presented. And I would imagine that we will continue to do that at future meetings. So those are just a couple of examples to get the patient voice heard. Yeah, thank you, Lisa and Dr. Reddy, for emphasizing how important the patient voice is. And for you both, do you have any closing comments about the message of being united around the importance of working together on behalf of people with psoriasis and or psoriatic arthritis? I would just end by stating that I've been fortunate to see the incredible advancements in psoriatic disease awareness and research, and it really is made possible because of all of the collaborative and united efforts of many individuals and organizations, such as the National Psoriasis Foundation, working towards a common goal of improving the lives of patients with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. And we've come a long way, and I'm confident that these continued collaborations will continue to sort of push the goals towards prevention and cure going forward. I think it's just a testament to what we can do when we all work together toward a common goal. Yeah, I'd like to echo what Dr. Reddy just stated. As patients and legislators, 
address increased rising costs of prescription drugs. It's critical that we work together to communicate the concerns of psoriasis patients to policymakers in both the private and public spheres. There are bills that really will change a vote of a policymaker just by hearing the stories. Getting the stories out and working together is just so critical. And the strengths of each of our organizations will lead to changes that impact patients with psoriasis in a positive manner. Well, thank you once again, Dr. Reddy and Lisa, for being part of this World Psoriasis Day celebration episode. Your comments about how organizations collaborate and what efforts are being done collectively to move research, advocacy, and clinical care forward present a message of hope for the 125 million worldwide who have psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. For our listeners, you too can take action and join efforts on behalf of World Psoriasis Day by going to psoriasis.org forward slash world hyphen psoriasis hyphen day. And finally, thank you to the following sponsors who provided support on behalf of MPF's World Psoriasis Day activities through unrestricted educational grants. Amgen, Bristol-Myers Squibb, CeraVe, Janssen, and Novartis. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.